The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, Philly, to your favorite sports show. Hosted by Jesse Town and Sam Wilson. They're smart. They're sexy, and they're all fit. So thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome into episode number 56 of Babes on Broad. I'm Sam Wilson with my co-host, Jesse Town, and we're the Babes on Broad, brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Real quick, before we get into it, I want to thank everybody for tuning into our Eagles Live pregame shows Unfortunately, just a reminder, we will not have one for the Week 17 final Eagles game of the year, which might be for the best, honestly, because <laughs> nothing anymore. At Flex but, Sunday Night Football, you can yes. just drink on your own and get ready. Oh, it is going to be a drinking Sunday because of that. But um, I want to remind everybody, you can find us still live for Sixers pregame live shows now. And that, I promise you, will be a lot more positive and happy and fun. Well, at least we're hoping so, but yes. it looks like it'll be that way. Speaking so, into existence, yes. Yeah, so we're excited for that. Don't forget, we will have, because I'm going on vacation on Thursday morning, I leave. So we will be doing um, Tuesday's game, which you guys are probably here this Tuesday. So tonight's game against Toronto. It's yep. Toronto. I'll play the Raptors. So we'll be there 6 o'clock um, before 7 o'clock game. So we'll get, get you ready, preview the matchup. But we'll also talk about when we do these pregame shows, we won't just talk about the matchup that they have that night. We talked during our last Sixers pregame show a little bit more sort of about the season as a whole and what we were looking for, especially in that first game. But we'll talk about all the matchups that they have every week. Um, but this is the – will be before the Raptors game this week. And then coming out on Sunday, we'll put out a poll for the next week unless there's a big game coming up, which I think the, actually the Celtics might be coming – coming to town or they're going to play the Celtics the week after. So it'll definitely be, you know, when, when there's matchups like that, that's kind of what we'll do. But if yeah. you're kind of playing some random matchups throughout the week, we'll put a poll out to see which one would be best. But Tuesday, what is that? December 29th is tomorrow. Yep. Tuesday, yes. December 29th, six o'clock. We will be live everywhere on all of our social medias for Sixers pregame. Yes. And if you're, didn't vote or don't know what game we're doing, just always check our social media. It'll be on there somewhere. Absolutely. Okay, so now let's get into the not-so-fun things to talk about. Ugh! The 4-10-1 Philadelphia Eagles and their 37-17 to loss to their arch-nemesis, the Dallas Cowboys. 
Oh. Not a fun game to watch. This is the first time I think I'm just I'm I'm looking at our notes and I I'm I this is the first time I've actually seen the 10 in writing and it it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. It is, <laughs> it is just so incredible that other divisions have and the wild card because other divisions are so good the wild card literally has so many 10 and 5 or I guess 10 and 6 teams right now that are struggling to make the playoffs and then just to know that our crappy division is going to have probably a six maybe seven win team win the division and it's nuts yeah and there's a 10 win team that will not make the playoffs in the AFC and can we just talk about real quick how embarrassing it is? This is by far the worst division of all time in the NFL, and the Eagles are the first team eliminated from the playoff contention in the worst division in history in the NFL. But it's bad. But no, nobody's going to lose their job, Jess. Just Carson Wentz, maybe, for the future, no. but nobody else. It's unbelievable where the Eagles have set themselves and, and how far back they've set themselves. It's it's really, really, really unfortunate how they have – they had some issues, and we knew they had some issues, and we knew that there were some things that needed to be addressed. But the way that they have created more for themselves is, is really unfortunate going forward. So let's, let's take a second. Let's talk about the, the quick positives that were in the game because there, there were some, and one of them is the Eagles will, will secure a top 10 draft pick. Yes. That is something they will do. Will they screw it up? Maybe, but top 10 draft pick, here we come. <laughs> um, and, you know, again, I, I thought, and, you know, you thought too, we, we've talked about this a lot. We collectively, Jalen Hurts in, in quarters one through three, played really well. Um, you know, he was the only one really that showed up to do his job on, on Sunday against the Cowboys was Jalen Hurts in those first three quarters. Now in the fourth quarter, when they, you know, started to play hero ball a little bit, really got away from running the football. Um, you know, the, the offensive line started to fall apart. There was no separation of the receivers, you know, the, the, the usual, um, you know, 2020 things for the Philadelphia Eagles, when all of that started to show up again, you know, a, he tried to play hero ball and he tried to, he tried to lead them to the win. And I don't fault him for trying to lead them to the win, but you know, the fourth quarter, he did not play well at all. Um, yeah. But I thought he played extremely well those first three and he looked really good. And if they were going to win that game, it was going to be because of Jalen hurts. He's not the reason they lost the game, but if they were going to win, it, it would have been 100% to his credit. And I thought he played really well to start off that game. No, I agree. And it's just, it's so sad just because he's in this organization that's struggling right now because when he is playing in the first half just carefree kind of I guess you could say it's just so effortless because he's playing his game the Eagles usually perform better in the first half which we'll get to later but like it's just effortless and it's so fun to watch him pick apart defenses and make go on the run and be able to find somebody downfield and yesterday we got to see his arm a little bit which also which is awesome I mean he's not 100% accurate he's a rookie it's okay but it's kind of it's refreshing to see that he has that strength going forward if the Eagles do decide to keep him and whatever they decide to do with Carson it's it's refreshing to see that he's got that arm strength behind the run game as well so that's pop yeah Absolutely. And, and I thought that, um, 
you know, I think that you're right. It, it absolutely, there were times where it really was a, a breath of fresh air um, to see the way that Jalen Hurts played. And I think that ultimately, you know, uh, you know, one of the big comparisons is uh, of him. I think him and Kyler Murray are very similar kinds of players, but I also think, you know, you see the difference in, um, you know, Lamar Jackson was obviously the MVP of the league last year, but his run game is what makes him so elusive. Now he needs to improve his arm. He needs to improve his accuracy. The, the pass game is, is, you know, that's something that, that, that Lamar needs to continue to work on. And Kyler's is a little bit better, but I think that honestly, Jalen hurts has, has one of the, is more accurate than both of them. I think. Yeah. More dual. Yeah. I I think you're you're, exactly the, the dual threat of Jalen hurts is a lot more impressive. I think than some of these other guys, um, which is, you know, something I think that, you know, the, the running quarterbacks have not ultimately had the most success in terms of winning super bowls. And you look at guys like Cam Newton who had an MVP year, but didn't win the super bowl. Um, Obviously guys like Lamar, who was the MVP, but you know, they, they got bounced out of the playoffs. I think that Jalen has the potential to be the most successful out of some of those guys because of of his arm and i think that obviously there are places he needs to improve as well but you know i think he he could have a lot of success in this league going forward regardless of where he is no yeah i agree with that i think a comparison to me for him to have the success we think and hope that he will have especially if he's philadelphia eagle um would for him to be as Russell Westbrook, I mean, Russell Wilson, like as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think obviously Russell Wilson's a little more of that dual threat that leans towards the throwing. So if Hertz could just get right in the middle and find that happy balance, I I think it'll hopefully pay off. We'll see what they end up doing. That's one of one of the not so positives (laughs) was how this Eagles franchise is going to end up in the next couple of years. Right. So, so, I mean, so we get through the, the not so positives or we get through the positives and then we have to, you know, kind of get to those not positives. And that is everything else that they did on Sunday. Um, I mean, starting right off with shooting themselves in the foot. Once again, penalties killed them. 12 penalties for 115 yards. If you count that delay of game where they tried to draw the defense offside slash get an extra five yards for the punt. Over 100 yards in, in penalties. I mean, they had five false starts alone. Two on Matt yeah. Pryor, two on Isaac Sayamalo, and one on Zach Ertz. That, I mean, that's 50 yards. Right? No, 25. Sorry, math. Yeah. That's hard. They're only five-yard penalties. It's my bad. Um, <laughs> but still, and they were in yeah. crucial moments. Right. I mean, one took them out of – I think it was field goal range or it was either they were going to go for a fourth down and it knocked them back, but like they're crucial, crucial moments. And it just set them back. I mean, the um, prior one happened and it set them back and then Zach Ertz immediately right after it. And it's just, they never can help themselves out. It's just always when they do something good, they take three steps back. Yes. And it's just brutal. And it's not even just with the players on the field. It's with coaching. It's with organization, how it's run. It's, it's it, painful. It's, it's painful across the board. No yeah. matter which way you look at it, the way that they're shooting themselves in the foot is painful. I mean, and the decisions. You go for it on fourth and 15 when you're down by 13 in the third instead of going for a 51-yard field goal. 
I mean, we know Jake Elliott's not been good this year, but I mean, at that point, at that point, I don't agree with going for such a, no. a long fourth down. It's, it's different if it's like a fourth and five, like, okay, right. that's kind of long for fourth, but maybe go for it at that point. Right. But, well, actually, I don't even know because if it was fourth and five, it'd be a 41 yard field goal at that point. So like, it's just, I understand nobody trusts Jake Elliott right now, but you're paying this guy all this money to do one job. You can't just make a stupid game plan to avoid using and making yourself look stupid for paying somebody. You know what I mean? Like you can't just abandon the basic game of football. You don't go for fourth and 15 when you need points on the board just to keep climbing to try to take the lead. Yeah. And, and in the entire second half, they were bad. I mean, they, they ran the ball 19 times for 108 yards in the first half, 10 times for 43 yards in the second half. Uh, At one point I was sitting here and, and said, you know, I, I, I don't even remember what point of the game was. I think it was like halfway through the third. And I was like that Miles Sanders is going to get less than four touches, less than four rushing attempts for the rest of the game. And after I said that out loud, he had one. I mean, they were one of the best third down teams, third and fourth down teams in the NFL the last couple of weeks with Jalen Hurst. They were actually, I think they were actually leading the league in third and fourth down conversions. Not, not good. Not good. No. And not to mention you say how they abandoned the run. This they played the worst run defense in the NFL, and you abandon the run when you need points. I understand late in the game in the fourth quarter, if you're down, yeah, you need to try to extend it downfield to get the quick points. But there's no reason in the third to just abandon it already. And then also, you just mentioned they only converted two of their last ten third downs in yesterday's game against the 29th worst third down defense. I mean, they've been a bad second half team. They've been a bad second half and a bad fourth quarter team. I mean, yesterday Jalen Hurts in the fourth quarter was, was I think, 9 for 18 or something like that with two interceptions, a fumble, and three of their penalties were in that fourth quarter. And, and that's just on the they offense. nine side. total in the second half. Nine total. In the second penalties. Sorry. Penalties in the second half alone. Gotcha. I would, yeah. I mean, the second half has been absolutely brutal for the Philadelphia Eagles this season. They've been outscored in these last three weeks with, with Jalen Hurts as their starting quarterback for the entire game. They've been outscored 45 to 13 in these last three games in the second half. That's atrocious. Yeah. And, and here's the, here's the worst part against the Cardinals. They scored the same number of points in the second half. So they, the Saints put up 21 points in the second half. They were, get, they were getting blanked at halftime. Mm-hmm. The Eagles were winning 17-0 at halftime against the Saints. The Saints scored 21 points in the second half. Yesterday, the Cowboys put up 17 points in the second half alone. And, and the Eagles put up zero points in the second half. I mean, the halftime adjustments on the offensive and defensive side of the ball have been absolutely abysmal. They've given up 207 second-half points this season. So – an average of two scores per game in the second half. 13.8 points they've given up per game, an average. I mean, outscored by 38 points total in the second half this season. 38 more points your opponents have scored more than you in the second yeah, half. It's absolutely ridiculous. And even just, like, going back to focus more on yesterday's game, 
that was one of the things we said in our pregame show is it was going to be, we knew we had injuries. We knew we didn't have a secondary. We also knew their defense wasn't bad. We knew it was going to be about all the offenses and staying together and going back and forth. And the Eagles just fell completely off in that second half. And I mean, it has to go to Doug. The second half adjustments right. were just terrible. And it's something you knew you needed and you had the full advantage to pick this defense apart that's not good. Right. And you couldn't do it. This, this defense gives up, uh, Dallas's defense gives up or average before this game, 30.8 points per game given up. Seven. And the Eagles... And the Eagles scored 17 points on them. The Eagles mustered up 17 measly points. Against the division rival, which they should have wanted to kill and had a full-on game plan of how they were going to execute and kill this team. And they couldn't do it against a defense that allows 30, over 30 points per game. I mean, and you, and you see it. And their leading re- receiver yesterday was Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson had one reception for 81 yards. One, he had one target, one reception, 81 yards, leading receiver against one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson this season have 20 receptions for 351 yards and two touchdowns between them. The two of them are making $20 million this year. Total. Travis Fulgham alone has 37 receptions for 524 yards and four touchdowns. He's making under $700,000. The roster construction of this team is abysmal. And the coaching and the, the way, the utilization of what they do have has been embarrassing. The inability for, let's, let's talk about it. There's like 15 offensive coaching members there's more than like any nfl team ever out there and for some reason not one of them can figure out a way to utilize their players properly not one of them can figure out a way to protect their quarterback not one of them can figure out a way to call a decent game for the quarterback's strengths and stick with it through the entire game. Not one of them can figure out a way to utilize the strengths of their different weapons and get them in the best position to succeed. All that we're seeing is the worst defenses in the NFL. Seattle had a terrible pass defense. Green Bay had a terrible run defense. The Cowboys have a terrible all around defense. And for some reason, the Eagles can't muster up anything in any of those facets of the game to be successful and exploit those teams in their weaknesses. What, quite literally, what are they making all of these millions of dollars to do if they can't do that? And you had a great point. We were up until like one o'clock last night texting about this game. The Eagles have have cost me so many hours of sleep. So many. But it's, you had a great point last night. The only coach on the offensive side of the ball that you could give a head nod to right now would be the running backs coach, running backs coach Deuce. That's the only one because you You're see, right. yeah, because you see Sanders improving so much, but it doesn't even matter because Doug refuses to use him. 
I can't figure it out because here's the thing. I thought it was really interesting yesterday at one point. I don't remember if it was Jonathan Velma or who said it or not, but one of, I, I mean, one of the announcers said something about Jordan Howard didn't you, there was no patience and he, he tried to make too many cuts and ended up not, not gaining as much as he should have on one of his runs. And he said, you know, what Jordan Howard needs to do is he needs to only, only, you know, he needs to make a decision, only make one cut and just go for it. Well, think about all the complaints we had about Miles Sanders last year. He tried to bounce everything outside. He wasn't being patient enough and he was trying to do too much and not just hitting the hole that was given to him. And his vision was not there yet. And, you know, that's why they utilized Jordan Howard a lot more than Miles Sanders last season. Well, this year you're seeing, you saw a huge step forward from Miles Sanders when they chose to use him enough. Mm -hmm. And he was being patient. He was hitting those holes. His vision was much better this season. The only person we can talk about who took a step forward from 2019 to 2020 is Miles Sanders. That credit goes to Deuce Staley. But for some reason, instead of that guy being the one who they promoted or whatever, they wanted to go outside higher. Fine. Go outside higher, support that, whatever. But you need six people over there to tell you what you can do when the only person who's taken a step forward is Miles Sanders. One person in this offense has grown. I mean, maybe two, Jordan Mylotta. Sure. Yeah. But I can't figure out why, like, it, it makes no sense to me why they have that many people in there that need to put their heads together to ultimately come up with nothing. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things we'll need to see this offseason is an actual offensive coordinator being appointed. And at this point, even though I think Deuce should have gotten it last year, I am over that train right now. They 100% need an outside hire in my mind just for the fact that they need somebody to come in that's not been under Doug before. They need somebody that's going to come in and be like, you listen to me right now. You know what I mean? That they, kind of thing. And they need a new quarterback coach as well. I mean, oh, I, 100%. I, I just, said that last year. You did. Absolutely, you did. And, and I just think, listen, Jalen Hurts made rookie mistakes yesterday in, in the game against Dallas, in the fourth quarter especially. He, he made poor throws. But there – and, and – there are, there's no excuse for Carson Wentz making those mistakes in his fifth year. My biggest issue is the mistakes that Carson is making still and the mistakes that we are seeing Jalen Hurts make are too similar for me to just get rid of Carson and keep the staff that they have. Jalen Hurts is not taking care of the football. That's our biggest complaint with Carson Wentz is his fumbling problem. Mm, Jalen's got, you know, the, the numbers are comparable. Again, small sample size to a larger sample yeah. size. But you're, you're seeing a pattern here. The inability for Jalen Hurts to go through his reads is very similar to Carson's. Again, Carson should have improved by year five. But with the same offensive staff and the same quarterback coach, we're seeing the same issues from our five-year vet and from the rookie. That's concerning enough to me where it should maybe point out that, hey, a different quarterback isn't going to change all these things that are wrong with the team. And after, you know, they lost to the, the Cardinals, it's like, oh, well, Jalen Hurts played so well. I feel much better after any loss. You know, th this is a moral victory. When, meanwhile, 
way back when they played the Ravens and they were losing 17 nothing at halftime. I think it was – yeah, they were down 17 nothing at halftime and Carson Wentz put up 28 points in the second half. I was told there are no such thing as moral victories. Yeah, right. Carson wasn't good enough and there were no such thing as moral victories. Let's just keep it consistent. This, all, this Eagles team is bad. They're bad on the defensive end. They're bad on the offensive end. All of the coaching staff has, should, should be embarrassed by the product that they've gotten out there this season. One player does not change this entire organization. It starts all the way at the top, and they have way too many issues that a starting quarterback is not going to change. No, 100%. You hit it nail on the head. And offense just has so many holes that we just hit on that. But then also, the defense yesterday, it bad. Bad. And Jim Schwartz, I know we bobble him up and down, and he's got dealing with so many injuries. One time we think he should stay, the next day we think he should go as a fan base overall. It's, he's just so up and down. And yes, he's dealing with so many injuries, but yesterday, I, I don't even know what to say. Because, say that again? Adjustments are too little, too late. Yeah. And I, it's just. I mean, it also goes back to Howie point blank because they just picked Michael Jaquette. They just picked him apart. Yeah. Oh, it was bad. And I think you and I were talking about this a lot during the game. We were talking about the D-line. And obviously, you know, as soon as Fletcher Cox came out of the game, there was a noticeable shift. The D-line was still getting some pressure on Andy Dalton, and but not nearly enough as mm-hmm. they were in, in, you know, the first quarter when Fletch was in there. But, and and, you know, my biggest issue with that is, well, you still got two $30 million men in the middle there that should be able to pick up some slack here. Like, there's no excuse where it's like, oh, yeah, Fletcher Cox went out like it's understandable. No, it's not. It's not understandable because there's, you still went out and spent all this money for no reason on defensive tackles, and they're not doing anything. They're not producing. They're also – that uh, dare I say a waste of money like the guy I mean think about what what have Malik Jackson and Javon Hargrave done this season Javon Hargrave picked it up in the second half of the year but ultimately if you look at the amount of money that Alshon Jeffrey Deshaun Jackson Javon Hargrave and Malik Jackson are, are making this year compared to their production it's laughable no and it's a great point I mean yesterday the Eagles were outscored 27 to 3 when Cox came out of the game you're 100% right. I mean, going into this hypothetically, yes, our D-line has underperformed this whole year, which is already saying enough for how much we're paying them. But going into this, and even still on paper, you see those names and what they're getting paid. Those are big names that have performed in the past. Mm -hmm. And it's just absolutely ridiculous. Yes, Fletch is a leader. Yes, he is a monster out there. But exactly what you said, Malik Jackson and Javon Hargrave can't get enough pressure on Andy Dalton. And that's and one thing we so said. And they have so many entries on their offensive line as well. They're all banged exactly. up. They've got backups in there. I, <laughs> and that's one thing we said they needed to do Fletcher Cox or not when we even thought he was questionable. They needed that pressure because of this hurt secondary that's already been underperforming and the amount of weapons that Dallas had on their offense, they needed that. And Hargrave and Jackson did not step up. And that's extremely concerning with how much they're getting paid. Yeah. 
it's 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 not good it's it's just really not good i mean malik jackson only has one and a half sacks on the season 12 quarterback hits no forced fumbles and he's making I, i i don't know the exact number it's around 30 mil he did have a um neutral zone infraction yesterday Oh, yes, that he did. And he also <laughs> threw a temper tantrum on the sideline and refused yeah. to sit with the defense until Fletcher Cox came up to him and, uh, and had, to, had to talk him down a little bit. But, I, I mean, I just, dude, $10 million this year. $10 million for one and a half sacks. It's, it's the production out of these these guys that are making this ridiculous amount of money has has been bad. And I mean, again, you know, Carson's not exempt from that conversation as well. But you know, his, again, his his contract really doesn't kick in until next year is really when it starts to be those big numbers. But I mean, the amount of money that's just being wasted right now for nothing for four ten and one is is just is just really pathetic. And to go, you know, with what you were saying about the secondary being picked apart as well. I mean, the Cowboys have a, I mean, they have one of the best wide receiver tandems in the NFL. And that's, that's, you can't mm-hmm. argue with that. Do we want to see Jalen Mills at, at corner? Probably not. But like, did we need him? wait so long to make that adjustment? Yeah. I trust him. Like after the first hundred yards and touchdown from Michael Gallup, wouldn't you be like, you know what? You quite literally did not hear anybody else's name for a while there because it was all Michael Gallup because it was so obvious they were picking on Michael Jaquette mm-hmm. and there were no adjustments being. Yes. You just let the guy get embarrassed on national TV. I felt so bad for him because it's not Jaquette's fault. I mean, he's a rookie that wasn't even signed anywhere until recently. And he was just quite literally undermatched or overmatched like they just left him out the dry dude and i don't even know what to say yeah it's it's a mess this this organization is a mess so we're going to take a quick break when we come back we'll give you our top three reasons for the loss and then we'll talk a little bit about what's going on around philly you're listening to the babes on broad on bgn radio with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back into episode number 56 of Babes on Broad. Let's get right into our, your top three reasons for the loss, Jess. So my number one is the same as it always has been, Howie Roseman. I mean, no matter which way you try to look at anything that's gone on, it some way or another all comes back to Howie um, just not, not getting it and not knowing what he's doing. And, and even though um you know with a lot of things whether it be you know Carson's contract drafting of Jalen Hurts where they are as a team right now ultimately goes back to Howie and the way he's constructed watching Justin Jefferson win rookie of the year offensive rookie um, of the year (laughs) offensive rookie of the year potential defensive rookie of the year could have both been Philadelphia Eagles but here we are 
Um, yeah, here, here we are with a quarterback controversy that doesn't need to be happening. Um, you know, just, just Philadelphia sports things. Laughable, um, straight laughable. My number two is adjustments being too little, too late, or not happening at all. Um, you know, uh, we talked about the second half for the, for the Eagles, whether it be, you know, the offensive side or the defensive side. I think both, both deserve as much blame for the amount that they've been outscored in the second half. Um, you know, that's, that's on the defense for not making any, you know, adjustments to make sure that they can't be exploited in the second half. That's on the offense for not finding, you know, for, for letting themselves get stopped by defenses after, you know, having some success in the first half of games. Um, and, and, you know, the in-game adjustments are something that we've talked about about with Jim Schwartz and Doug Peterson for a while now. And whether they happen at all, or they're just too late, I mean, it's something that, that can't happen going forward, especially as, you know, we, I feel like this is now, I think three years we've gone on, um, you know, opposing teams talking about knowing exactly what the Eagles are going to do on both sides of the ball. And that's just unacceptable. I mean, it's unacceptable at this point. And, you know, next year we'll be looking at two and 14 instead of, uh, you know, four, 11 and one or five, 10 and one or whatever they end up being. So, um, and you know, that's, ultimately it's just not acceptable and you know the team is now set back because of it and I think my number three is really just you know lack of confidence by the entire organization this all starts at the top um Jeffrey Lurie trusts the wrong people with spending his money um and then decides that he's going to continue to trust Howie Roseman and Howie's job isn't in jeopardy at all and that's again unacceptable and until there's an uh, uh, until there's change in the organization from again from the top down nothing is going to change with with this team nothing's going to change with this organization and we're going to be looking at something very similar going forward um when in reality this this shouldn't be happening as it is and you know this team is this team is in is in for it right now off season is going to be really really crucial um you know i know they still have another game to get through but I mean, the, the entire organization, we talked about it a lot this season that good quarterback play can mask a lot of the holes that this team has. And they didn't address any of the holes last season because they just went, Oh, we made the playoffs. We're fine. And, you know, they had some really bad quarterback play this season and all of these things have come to light. The age of the offensive line and the amount of money they're making unacceptable the inability to address the offensive line in terms of you know who you're going to bring in as a backup this that and the other thing unacceptable the weapons that you tried to deliver this season unacceptable I mean it it took the Eagles three weeks to to do the same thing to Jalen Hurts that they did to Carson Wentz bringing back Alshon Jeffrey forcing Deshaun Jackson back in there when he probably shouldn't have been in there. I mean, it, 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 it really took them three weeks to do exactly what they've been doing to Carson. And, and, you know, if you think anything's gonna, gonna change by a quarterback, that's, that's on you, but this organization needs to, it needs a complete overhaul. And without it, we're just in for, in for more of the same misery. Misery. What about you? What are your top three reasons for this loss to Dallas? Um, I'm going to go backwards. So coming in at number three, I'm saying lack of production on the offense. I mean, we already said it. They only put up 17 points on a defense that averages 30.8 points per game. 
and the worst run defense in the league. So it's just unacceptable. And I mean, it's, there's a lot of things we already said that go into it. Lack of adjustments that go into it, the penalties, um, the terrible play calling, abandoning the run game, so much that goes into it. Um, it's just gotta all be clumped in there for me because we'd have a list that goes on forever. So that's my number three. Number two is obviously the defense. I mean, they didn't do as bad as we expected them to give up at least 30 points to this um, Dallas offense. So they weren't terrible, but they did completely fall apart after Cox left. And there were no adjustments until later in the game when it was way too late. The secondary is just not good enough. Um, and that all, both of those combined lead into my number one reason is no shock, Howie Roseman. Because everything that we've said this entire time, one way or another, falls back onto Howie Roseman. Yeah. And I'm going to start blaming it on Jeffrey Lurie because he's keeping Howie Roseman around and keeping the coaches in place. And it's going to start – I'm going to need to revert my anger from Howie into Jeffrey Lurie if this keeps going on because it's just absolutely ridiculous. And I don't care if your friends are not make the cut because, or sell the team, like keep your houses together in Malibu, wherever you want to go and have vacation, sell an NFL organization. If you're not going to do what needs to be done to make them successful. It's actually ridiculous that we're, yeah, it's actually ridiculous that we are already prepping our mind for the misery of next year because they've already kind of stated that nothing's really going to change dramatically in the front office or with coaching. And we as basic fans and as analysts can see so clearly that this team and organization is set up for failure for years to come if nothing changes. But Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the team, can't see that. It's absolutely ridiculous. I honestly, again, we we talked about this with with the Phillies. When when they fired Gabe Kapler and kept Matt Clintac, nothing was going to change. The same and thing would happen, and, and nothing changed. They had they, one of they made an upgrade in head coach. They did. Oh my god, yeah, Girardi. But and that even shows even more. Nothing changed. They made the upgrade, and nothing changed. But until the roster reflects that, and the decisions reflect that, nothing is going to change. So fire Doug Peterson, fire the entire offensive staff, fire Jim Schwartz, put whoever the heck you want in there. Nothing changes if Howie Roseman is still the general manager of this football team. So, I mean, if they're not, if they, if they are sticking with what they've said at this point and there will not be any front office changes in this off season, nothing is going to change next season. They're going to be, we're going to be looking at the same exact result, the same exact misery going through the 2021 football season. With a better NFC East, because I mean, the Cowboys have that great wide receiver core who are young. Amari Cooper's not too old, is he? Yeah, so they're young, they're going to have them, and they get Dak Prescott back. The Giants, they're uh, kind of falling still, apart. Huh? I don't know if Dak will be a Cowboy. Yeah, we'll see about the contract. I don't I know. Heard, I really think he's going to either I – th- I think he's either going to end up in San Fran or the Saints are going to make a run out. That's an interesting thing. He's from him. I'll need time to think about that. I didn't even question the possibility of Dak going back, but we'll see. 
Well, I don't think he's going to be a cowboy. I truthfully don't. That's just me, though. And I think that's on Jared Jones for being a loser. It's yeah. Not, it has nothing it's to just, do with It'll be him. interesting to see just for the fact that this wide receiving core is so good and the fact that, I mean, the games Dak did play this season, he did outstanding with those guys. Mm-hmm. And the amount of production he had, I mean, he still has more yards than Andy Dalton, and Andy Dalton's now played 10 games where Dak played five. So, I mean, and I'm not even, like, on the Dak train or anything. I just think it'd be interesting to not utilize that. But we'll see. I mean, I whatever happens, I mean, they still have that wide receiving core. They'll bring in some quarterback that's going to be more competent than Andy Dalton. So they're only going to get better. The Giants, who knows, they might – I mean, they're getting better this year, but there's also obviously they have drawbacks. But right. at this point, they're better than the Philadelphia Eagles. And then Washington. I mean, Alex Smith, when he comes back, they have a great head coach. They just released Dwayne Haskins. Like, they have a great defense that's coming up. They just got to get healthy, and they can make a run. So Everyone else is getting younger and on the come up. And yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles are just getting older and falling off. Having one Even of the more. most epic – Fall from grace, falls from grace I've ever seen in my life. Most epic, for sure. It's awful. Awful. So they need to figure it out. But this team is, is bad. Bad. And I cannot believe we have to watch them on national television on Sunday. Kill me. Jeez. Why did they do that? I don't even understand. Like, Washington football team doesn't even have fans. And Philadelphia is just going to be miserable. Like, why would you put that in prime time? I, 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 can't, I can't wait to hear about what the ratings look like for this game. I hope it's terrible. To be honest. I, I They're just trying to embarrass us. I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> not going to sit here and act like I'm not going to watch it. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to act like I'm only, not, not going to be tuned in. The, yeah, we're not taking notes, but yeah. Tuned in with my clown makeup on, my Eagles jersey. The only interesting storyline, I guess, to this, I mean, if you're a Washington fan, obviously, them potentially making the playoffs. Um, but the only interesting storyline is if the Eagles decide to put Carson back in as starter instead of Jalen Hurts. That's the only thing that makes this interesting at all. If I'm Carson Wentz and they say, hey, you're the starter on Sunday, I would go, absolutely. Yeah, I'd laugh. Exactly, because they're not going to play anybody else. Why would you put him back in? It just sets him up for failure. I would be like, no. No, I'm not. My ankle hurts. No. No. (laughs) Absolutely not. All right. Quickly, with what's going on around Philly. The Philadelphia 76ers got their doors blown off last night by the Cleveland Cavaliers um, without Joel Embiid. So Joel Embiid did not play. That actually was only announced about 15 minutes before game time. Um, so he has back I, tightness. Yeah, and you could kind of see the lack of energy from the rest of the team once that happened. Um, got to see a little bit of the, the younger guys in there at some points as well. The Sixers just picked up a third-year option on Matisse Seibel. Um, so I think they'll, you know, be, be back to full strength and you'll see what we're actually going to see from the Sixers, uh, you know, in, in the important moments on, on Tuesday against the Raptors. Um, but you know, I've, I've liked what I've seen from the Sixers so far. I mean, also Dwight Howard got in foul trouble really early, so he really couldn't play much as well. Um, you know, a great game that they closed out against the, against the Wizards. Great call out of a timeout by Doc Rivers. 
we haven't seen that before. We haven't seen them win those close games before. So that's, that's something we like to see. Um, and also, you know, they, they put the Knicks away in the third quarter and got to take their, their starters out early and get them a little bit of extra rest on Saturday. Um, and for all those who want to freak out and scream about who they should trade in the season's over by losing to the Cleveland Cavaliers, the full strength Milwaukee Bucks with reigning yeah, right. MVP and defensive player of the year, Giannis Antetokounmpo lost to the New York Knicks last night. The New York Knicks are also terrible. So it happens. Let's relax. Yeah, the team you just said we took out our starters in the fourth court. So, yes. Stuff happens. Stuff happens. So, I'm not ready to call it in third game in the year after they already performed well the first two games. Like 72-game season. Let's Let's, let's bring it down a little here, people. Um, it didn't do much for my misery last night. but but Yeah. So thank you for listening. This is our episode for this week. We'll wrap this up right now. Thank you for listening to episode 56. Don't forget, Babes on Broad pregame live for the Sixers, Tuesday the 29th, 6 o'clock on all of our social medias. We'll be live on both of our Instagrams, um, as well as our Twitters, the Babes on Broad Facebook, as well as our YouTube channel. Thank you once again to SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. As always, we will talk to you later this week.